0: Before we start, just a note to let you know that this episode was recorded online, so the sound quality does vary. Kia ora and welcome to this episode of The Amateur Austenite. I'm Frances Duncan, an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand slash Aotearoa. My very special guest today is Dr Catherine Quigley.
1: Hello everyone.
0: I know you as Kate. Would you like to tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: I'm born and bred in Christchurch, have lived in Wellington for quite some years now. I was a teacher of academic writing in the School of Linguistics at Victoria University of Wellington. And now I'm an assessment specialist at the Open Polytechnic in New Zealand. Come from a household of females really very interested in literature. My mother was an English literature teacher at Christchurch Girls High One of my sisters is an author, and my other sister and I are both qualified teachers of English as a second language, so have worked with international students for many years. So it's a house uh, full of books that uh, we grew up in, and I think that's had an influence on my reading. So yes, familiar with Austen from quite a young age, as my mother was a big fan.
0: So, as you can tell, Kate is very, very smart, and I'm very lucky that she's agreed to be with me today. And even more so, she's going to read the letter for us. Today, we're going to be discussing letter 22.
1: So, letter 22, Lady Susan to Mrs. Johnson, written at Churchill. This is insufferable, my dearest friend. I was never so enraged before, and must relieve myself by writing to you, who I know will enter into all my feelings. Who should come on Tuesday but Sir James Martin? Guess my astonishment and vexation, for as you well know, I never wished him to be seen at Churchill. What a pity that you should not have known his intentions. Not content with coming, he actually invited himself to remain here a few days. I could have poisoned him. I made the best of it, however, and told my story with great success to Mrs Vernon, who, whatever might be her real sentiments, said nothing in opposition to mine. I made a point also of Frederica's behaving civilly to Sir James and gave her to understand that I was absolutely determined on her marrying him. She said something of her misery, but that was all. I have for some time been more particularly resolved on the match from seeing the rapid increase of her affection for Reginald and from not feeling perfectly secure that a knowledge of that affection might not in the end awaken a return contemptible as a regard founded only on compassion must make them both in my eyes I felt by no means assured that such might not be the consequence it is true that Reginald had not in any degree grown cool towards me but yet he had lately mentioned Frederica spontaneously and unnecessarily and once had said something in praise of her person he was all astonishment at the appearance of my visitor and at first observed Sir James with an attention which I was pleased to see not unmixed with jealousy, but unluckily it was impossible for me really to torment him, as Sir James, though extremely gallant to me, very soon made the whole party understand that his heart was devoted to my daughter. I had no great difficulty in convincing de Courcy, when we were alone, that I was perfectly justified, all things considered, in desiring the match, and the whole business seemed most comfortably arranged. They could none of them help perceiving that Sir James was no Solomon but I had positively forbidden Frederica's complaining to Charles Vernon or his wife, and they had, therefore, no pretense for interference, though my impertinent sister, I believe, wanted only opportunity for doing so. Everything in was going on calmly and quietly, and though I counted the hours of Sir James's stay, my mind was entirely satisfied with the posture of affairs. Guess then what I must feel at the sudden disturbance of all my schemes? and that too from a quarter whence I had least reason to apprehend it. Reginald came this morning into my dressing room with a very unusual solemnity of countenance, and after some preface informed me in so many words that he wished to reason with me on the impropriety and unkindness of allowing Sir James Martin to address my daughter. Contrary to her inclination, I was all amazement. When I found that he was not to be laughed out of his design— I calmly required an explanation and begged to know by what he was impelled and by whom commissioned to reprimand me. He then told me, mixing in this speech a few insolent compliments and ill-timed expressions of tenderness, to which I listened with perfect indifference, that my daughter had acquainted him with some circumstances concerning herself, Sir James, and me, which gave him great uneasiness. In short, I found that she had in the first place actually written to him to request his interference— and that on receiving her letter, he had conversed with her on the subject of it, in order to understand the particulars and assure himself of her real wishes. I have not doubt, but that the girl took this opportunity of making downright love to him. I am convinced of it, from the manner in which he spoke of her. Much good may such love do him. I shall ever despise the man who can be gratified by the passion which he never wished to inspire, nor solicited the avowal of. I shall always detest them both. He can have no true regard for me, or he would not have listened to her. And she, with her little rebellious heart and indelicate feelings, to throw herself into the protection of a young man with whom she had scarcely ever exchanged two words before. I am equally confounded at her impudence and his credulity. How dared he believe what she told him in my disfavour? Ought he not to have felt assured that I must have unanswerable motives for all that I had done? Where was his reliance on my sense or goodness then? where the resentment which true love would have dictated against the person defaming me, that person too, a chit, a child, without talent or education, whom he had been always taught to despise. I was count sometimes, but the greatest degree of forbearance may be overcome, and I hope I was afterwards sufficiently keen. He endeavoured, long endeavoured, to soften my resentment, but that woman is a fool indeed, who, while insulted by accusation, can be worked on by compliment. At length he left me, as deeply provoked as myself, and he showed his anger more. I was quite cool, but he gave way to the most violent indignation. I may therefore expect it will sooner subside, and perhaps his may be vanished forever, while mine will be found still fresh and implacable. He is now shut up in his apartment, whither I heard him go on leaving mine. How unpleasant, one would think, must his reflections be. But some people's feelings are incomprehensible. I have not yet tranquillised myself enough to see Frederica. She shall not soon forget the occurrences of this day. She shall find that she has poured forth her tender tale of love in vain, and exposed herself forever to the contempt of the whole world, and the severest resentment of her injured mother. Yours affectionately, S. Vernon.
0: Can you tell us why you chose this letter in particular?
1: It's one of many I could have chosen which shows the full depths of Lady Susan's character and lack of principles, uh, lack of any maternal feeling, and the full gamut of her schemes, of her manipulation of others. So I think in this letter, which is very long, we see her real character laid bare. And of course, it's addressed to her closest confidant, Alicia Johnson, who may be the only one in Lady Susan's circle who fully understands her and knows all the ins and outs of her machinations. So it's a very revealing letter. It speaks volumes.
0: One of the things that struck me as we were reading this is the line, I could have poisoned him, which makes me wonder whether that's just a thing you say, because sometimes you say, oh, I could have killed him. But considering this is Lady Susan, should we take that more seriously? Is this something she's done in the past? We don't know how her husband died. True. And poison is a woman's weapon of choice.
1: Yes, I hadn't thought that, Frances, but yes, I wonder if that was in Austen's mind.
0: Do you think this is something Lady Susan would be capable of?
1: I'm not sure. I really don't know. This novel is different from all the other Austen novels, and of course she was only 20 when she wrote it. Later in her career, she never returned to a character so evil as Lady Susan, so it seems as if she was sort of exploring a whole different type of personality here. I think she could not have described such a character unless she had known such a person. And uh, we do know that living next door to Jane Austen's family were two close friends of hers whose mother had been very badly treated by her mother, also an extremely beautiful but very cruel woman. I think her name was Mrs Craven. These girls must have talked of their grandmother's treatment of their mother to Jane Austen and perhaps this person inspired, this characterisation. Well, I think it's a portrait of a malignant narcissist personality disorder, which has Lady Susan in its grip, and I don't think Austen could have described such a person if she hadn't come across one in her circle. Whether or not she was capable of actual murder, I just don't know. We don't see any hint of that, but perhaps slight throwaway comments like that are intended to make us think that. Could be just an expression, as you say, I could have killed him," but... It is quite unusual. I could have poisoned him. That is rather oddly specific. There are other hints out there, such as a possible lesbian relationship between Lady Sue and Alicia. Many hints throughout the book, but again, the book doesn't go there, so we can wonder, but we'll never know.
0: Now you refer to Lady Susan as a narcissist and this is one of the reasons I really wanted to bring you on because I enjoy this book a lot but I've never really been quite so under the thumb of a narcissist and you mentioned look if you've known one and they've been close to you you read this book and it's uncomfortable.
1: Very true. From the little I've read of malignant narcissism all psychologists say stay well away from such a person because they do inflict harm on all of those around them, all their nearest and dearest. And that's what I think we see very clearly happening in this book. And it did make me feel very uncomfortable to read it because there is such a person in my social circle as well. And they are very, very damaging people. They can't help it. It's the way they are. I don't believe it's a conscious choice. I think they're in a grip of this very serious personality disorder, but there is no cure for it. And the only thing to do is to keep yourself well out of harm's way because if you look at Lady Susan's social circle, family circle, circle of acquaintances, they all are harmed by her. They're all damaged in various ways and to varying degrees, the men and the women, by her determined coquetry She's very aware of this, but she has no inclination to stop it, and she has no remorse. There are some people in the book who see her for who she is. Catherine Vernon is one. Catherine Vernon's parents are others who see her clearly for who she is by report of her behavior, and they describe her as this unprincipled woman. Catherine talks about her dangerous abilities, and that is very true. If anyone listening to this has ever known a malignant narcissist, you will know that they are extremely dangerous people and they leave a trail of very sad and very damaged people in their wake. I did find it an uncomfortable book to read, partly because of that and partly because I'm a churchgoer and I find her behavior just abhorrent as a Christian, (laughs) I have to say, as well. So I have those two strands in my background, both of which just caused me to feel revulsion for Lady Season. I found it a hard book to read. I've read it several times now in my life and I probably won't read it again, to be honest, because it's just not pleasant. She takes pleasure in other people's pain and that to me is just incomprehensible and just not at all entertaining. I know that Austen was known as a wit. I know that she had a terrific sense of humour and her other books bring me great pleasure. But this one... There's a nasty, nasty streak in it. And if you pause to just take a step back from the immediate happenings and the Machiavellian schemes of the main character, you think about all the minor characters, all the bit players around her. It gives one pause to think, oh, my goodness, you know, the effect on them, on Maria Manwaring, for example, of having her lover Sir James Martin deliberately enticed away from her and how her life will now be in the future. And Lady Susan laughs at that, and so does Alicia when James Martin visits her. She said, we laughed together at her disappointment. That's just cruel. I think possibly Austen could only write this book because she was. So, young. I think with more... Years of life experience, she may and had she lived longer, who knows? Perhaps she might have softened or become more tolerant and more compassionate. There seems to be some compassion missing in this book towards all the people who are damaged by Lady Susan.
0: That's the thing with narcissists, though, isn't um, it? That they can't feel um, it. They don't think about the consequences to other people of their actions.
1: Exactly, because other people don't matter. It's all about themselves. That, to me, is Lady Susan to a T. We haven't even mentioned her own daughter yet and the total lack of real motherly love. There's there's none towards poor Frederica, who's had a terrible life thus far. In Letter 16, Lady Susan refers to her as that horrid girl of mine. (laughs) She also describes her as a little devil. There's something badly wrong there. There's something psychologically amiss with baby Susan. That's why I say I do not enjoy reading this book. I almost find it painful. It's sort of verging on schemes that went on in Dangerous Liaisons.
0: It has been compared to Dangerous Liaisons.
1: So it's quite a different book, isn't it, to all the others? Having not
0: been in a situation to have to deal with someone like that, I can read it from a different angle. I'm sort of coming at it from the angle that Reggie did before he met her. I've heard terrible things about her. I cannot wait to meet her because I have to see this in person. Because she's really entertaining. She'd be a person that everybody gossiped about. Be great to gossip about, but not somebody I think you actually want to meet, as Reggie discovers
1: Yes, I can see that it could be seen possibly as amusing. And I think that's only the case if you're at enough removes from mm. that person that you are not directly impacted yourself or those you love are not impacted by it. Which if means you're that? close enough to the, to the unwell person, then you're going to feel the effects and you will see the impacts on friendships and marriages all around that person and very quickly you will not find that entertaining believe me other people's pain is to me not funny in any way and furthermore it's it's actively distressing to be honest when I read the book this time the most recent time I could hardly finish it I had to force myself to keep going because it's just very unpleasant reading about a person like this especially when you know one yourself and you've seen the real pain caused to real couples around you
0: I think it does make Reggie perhaps appear insensitive because lady susan had a campaign against his sister
1: yes very true she would not let her sister's husband buy vernon castle and the only paltry excuse she gives for that in the book is that it would have diminished the memory of her husband to have the castle go to to his younger brother well that's really not a convincing excuse to me, in any way, it just seems to be out of pure spite that she had persuaded her husband to sell the castle elsewhere rather than setting it on his younger brother. There's no justification for that. And this brings me to another, what I see as a deep flaw in her character, is that total lack of family loyalty. To me, family ties are very important and you don't actively damage your family or go against them. To me, it's the right of the younger brother to live in the family castle, where presumably they lived for generations when his elder brother died but to sell it out of the family that to me is is a very wrong way of acting even nowadays let alone the century that we're talking about
0: it was when mr vernon was still alive it's just that they had to sell the castle because they needed the money
1: Uh but even so but
0: no he would have given them the money they could have have got the money
1: and kept it in the family Yes, exactly. And furthermore, Susan actively tried very hard. She tried to dance to stop Charles marrying Catherine. Again, to what end? She'd never met Catherine. She knew nothing of the woman. Again, it was just spite and just the pleasure that narcissists gain from meddling in other people's lives. It's very, very sad. It's a terribly sad affliction. And the damage spreads wide. The ripple effects are wide.
0: In this letter, Lady Susan's really upset about the fact that Reginald has come to talk to her and say, leave your daughter alone, don't make Uh, her marry, Sir James. uh, And she's concerned that him knowing that Frederica has affection for him might awaken a return. This is something I've seen a lot of in Jane Austen, that love grows from gratitude
1: Uh And she uses that
0: word gratitude several times throughout her other novels. Oh, they loved me. Therefore, you start to look at them differently. And it's it's a gratitude for, oh, you see the good in me. I should start to see the good in you, almost. Mm. Mm.
1: We know that Lady Susan really doesn't want Reginald for herself because she said many times in letters to Alicia that he in no way compares to Manwaring, who is her primary attachment. And she's, you know, many times enumerated Reginald's faults she finds him a bit tedious in the way that he's always trying to understand (laughs) the last little you know bit of every story and get to the bottom of everything I guess so that he can justify it to himself and persuade himself that actually she is a good person after all she's annoyed by all of that so she really doesn't want him for herself but she doesn't want her daughter to have him so again this is a selfish trait common in narcissists they don't want the man but they don't want anyone else to have him either because it's all about
0: her She's toyed with the idea of
1: marrying him. Toyed with it? Yes. But at one point she said, she actually says something like, his father is not yet so infirm as to bring me any immediate benefit.
0: What's the point? (laughs) If the old man would die, sure, I'll marry him.
1: Yes, yes. It's just terrible. It's just a disgraceful way to behave. But it's deep in character and it can't be changed and she has no desire to change. No, no that again that's the mark of a narcissist yeah it's a sad and really a terrible book and I don't I don't find it funny in the least no part of it amuses me I'm sorry to say I don't want to sound like a sort of a prim or prudish person but the sorrow and the pain that she causes everybody around her the grief to many many people who cross her path it's just an awful thing to read and think about
0: Everyone's entitled to their own opinions of things, and maybe this is one of the reasons Jane Austen went, let's not write characters like this, because it is very polarising. Maybe, yes. Some people yes, think it's, it's great fun, and other people like, this is horribly offensive, uh-huh. why would you do this?
1: I'm sure my reading of it is coloured by my personal experience. That's the same with anything so, you're reading. Yeah, maybe other people think, oh, this is a highly entertaining book, and what a woman. And I can see that people have different persuasions could have some sort of sneaking admiration for this kind of total self-absorption. Um, she sees someone she wants, she goes and gets them. It doesn't matter who's in her way, who's standing in her path. She will seduce that person and conquer them. I think that's how she sees it, don't you, Frances? As a yep. sort of a, a conquest and also a game.
0: She early on says, I want to squash the de Courcy siblings,
1: both of them. She sees them, I think, I think she mentions... She uses the word insolent, for of Reginald, and sauciness, and she wants to sort of uh, beat that down. So she adopts a set of behavior there temporarily, where she says, I've never before behaved less as a coquette." (laughs) So she tries very hard to behave with decorum, and she looks at him gravely, and she acts with all seriousness to beat out that sort of curiosity in him that you mentioned earlier. Of course, that ends up with him falling under her spell.
0: He learns a hard lesson. She does like manipulating people's feelings. She talks about jealousy. She oh. wanted Reggie to be jealous of Sir James, but unluckily, it was impossible for me to really to torment him. What? But she says somewhere else in the novel, I can't remember quite where, that jealousy is the best preserver of love, that it keeps someone interested. I think she was talking about mannering uh hearing about Reggie.
1: Well that's not a very nice notion, is it? That jealousy is the best preserver of love. I mean that again just speaks to her character.
0: The way that she talks about relationships like it is something to be manipulated and with Reggie she says, I shall ever despise the man who can be gratified by the passion which he never wished to inspire nor solicitated the avowal of. If Reggie didn't want her Her wanting him shouldn't matter. He should Um. want to conquer this person and make them love him. If the love comes for him and he doesn't have to work for it, what's the point?
1: That's very telling as well. She has such a sense of entitlement, which again is very characteristic of narcissists. She just takes whatever she fancies. She sees it as her due. Why not? Why shouldn't she have this person? And she's able to justify anything to herself. I don't think she has any thought for other people's pain. It never really occurs to her. If she sees other people in pain, such as her daughter, she despises that as a weakness. You know, she hates the fact that is often weeping. She sort of mocks that in her letters. And I just can't stand that type of cruelty
0: she refers to herself as an injured mother i'm the victim it's about me but she also says how oh dear Ritchie listen to her when i've taught him to Just- despise her
1: yes she can't be crossed in any way and she's very annoyed when other people don't behave in the way she thinks she's trained them up to behave and they don't go along with her schemes so she's sort of has psychopathic tendencies really not to even think let alone care about other people's feelings and basic human rights this is why i think austin must have known someone like this or must have heard tales of someone like this and it possibly did come from her neighboring family
0: there have been suggestions that lady susan is based off her cousin eliza which just sounds terrible everyone's like yeah because she's a lady of the world la 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 and i'm like Mm. Have you actually read Lady Susan and then say that her cousin, who she loves, she's written as this horrible person? But also, if Eliza is on the, hey, it's just a funny story thing, she might enjoy that.
1: Yes, I don't know about her cousin Eliza. I only know about the neighbour, Mrs Craven. But in the letter I read out, she said to herself, her intentions were a desire for absolute coquetry and for universal admiration. She Mm. says that of herself. And I think that very neatly sums it up.
0: One of the things that amused me, because change of language, I have not a doubt that the girl took this opportunity of making downright love to him. These days, making love to somebody refers to sex. But that's not what is meant here. If she did, she'd be more of her mother's daughter. In fact, I think if Frederica were like her mother, potentially you could cast them as Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt in, is it Heartbreakers? There's a whole thing about a mother and daughter con team who seduce guys to get their money. Were Frederica like her mother, I could see them doing that. Making love to someone in this context, what they mean is expressing their love. But I doubt that Frederica would have literally said to Reggie, I'm in love with you, because she would never be that. No, I
1: don't think so either. I think Lady Susan's just getting carried away as she writes this letter. She's just out of control because she's so annoyed and she's pouring it all out to her friend. As usual, she's <laughs> going overboard.
0: She gets really angry in the conversation with Reggie, but he showed his anger more, indicating they're both angry, but she's running in to appear calm and all above everything, but inside she is plotting everything against him.
1: Oh,
0: yes. I was quite cool, but he gave way to the most violent indignation.
1: Which is probably to his his credit, but she thinks it's to her credit that she was able to control her feelings more, and that just shows that she's a more practiced schemer.
0: She would be a very scary person to meet. Mm.
1: Yes, one has to feel great pity for Catherine having, having such a person in her house. <laughs> she never wanted her coming to stay in the first place, and look how things are turning out. <laughs> not well for her own beloved younger brother because let's remember Reggie is only 23 because in Sir Reginald's letter to his son warning him against um, any alliance with Lady Susan he mentions um, the 12 year age gap and Lady Susan's a very beautiful widow of 35 so you know, Reginald's extremely young and of course he would have that curiosity of, of a boy you know he's heard about this alluring older woman who has just been staying in a house where she's seduced Uh, not one, but two men of the house at the same time, and has had to to leave. He's got that, by very reliable report from his friend, Charles Smith, you know, believes that wholeheartedly before he comes to stay at Churchill, but then, of course, is persuaded otherwise. So, yes, just a natural, you know, normal boy of 23, played for all all she's worth, twisted round her little finger.
0: But then Mr Vernon is also, I mean, he's not seduced by her, thankfully, because he's married to Mrs Vernon, But he also believes everything that she says. And he's got to be older and wiser, right?
1: Well, he's a nice character, really, isn't he? He's mild. I think he has affection for her. And he's quickly persuaded by her manners and her her stratagems, her artifice. He's well disposed to everybody, I think, Charles Vernon. So he's happy to give her the benefit of the doubt. He's just such a nice, affable character. I'm sure we can all think of people we know who are very like Charles Vernon. Although she does use him for his money. And she avows that quite openly in these letters.
0: And that is our discussion on Letter 22 of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. I'm Frances Duncan. This has been Kate Quickly. You can find our socials in the notes. Thank you for listening, and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of...